Hey there, welcome to Horizon Church. My name is Chris and I'm one of the pastors here and we are so glad that you're joining us today. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, April 4th. And if there's ever a Sunday that I will encourage you to drag someone to church, it'll be next Sunday for Easter. Please bring someone with you either in person or online. April 4th, next Sunday, we will celebrate the risen Christ together and celebrate what God is doing in our lives. And so I hope you will join us next Sunday. Today, we're actually kicking off our Easter sermon series called But God. And I, I wanted to share a little bit about this past year. Um, I was looking back this week in our, in our archives of, of worship sermons because we have so many now that we've filmed so many things that I just never imagined that we'd have such an, a, a, a large archive. I was looking back at what this last year has looked like as we've, we've grown and matured and Eric and I have, have gotten used to this new way and style of preaching and I want to just thank you right off the bat that you have stuck with us because we were terrible pre online preachers a year ago. We had no idea what we were doing. We, we struggled to look at the camera, and it was just terrible quality. And so a year ago, I remember that I was having a terrible time preaching one evening. We had just pu kept pushing off filming our sermon all week, and it was like literally Saturday night, 9 o'clock. It is dark outside, and we are filming in our living room. Eric and I are, are just sitting there. We've pushed our couches aside, and we're trying to film a sermon, and I was completely struggled. I was just like lost for words. I was stumbling over myself, and I was just broken in this moment. I like, I said, I just can't do this, but I can't do this. I, I, I don't have the words, but I'm just tired of this. I, I, I don't want to keep preaching to a camera, but, but, but I was just filled with excuse after excuse to Erica that night. And I remember her coming and sitting next to me, and we ended up that day preaching the sermon together. She, she pulled up another stool next to me, and we did it together. She encouraged me in that moment that God had something special, because that was not the end of my story that night. And I think so often in our lives, we have these but God moments where we want to fill that but with an excuse of that we're not worthy, that we're too tired, we're too hurting, but God wants to do something in those moments. I even think back across my life in just the last few years, starting Horizon Church was filled with those but God moments. Eric, I never imagined having this amazing opportunity to start a church and pastor this community, but God had something bigger in store in our lives in that moment. We were uh, just hoping to, to pastor a church in Florida to spend a little bit more time closer to my family here. But God had something so much larger in store for us. There was even a moment early on, just in the first few months of Horizon, where we were literally didn't have a place to go to worship. We had, had kicked off at the Garden Club, and things were going well, and we needed a new space because it was becoming wedding season, and we couldn't rent the Garden Club any longer on Sunday mornings. And literally, the week of like our, our first Sunday that we needed to be somewhere else, we were able to land in a middle school auditorium. And while at times we were, we were sweeping up Doritos and, and gum wrappers off the floor to make it work in a middle school auditorium uh, with, that it just trashed during the week, we made it work. And God did an amazing thing. And it was one of those, but God had something more in store for us, even when we felt like we didn't know what we were going to do next. God had a plan for us and for this church. And even when I look across the scriptures, there are so many times where there's these but God moments. The, the psalm says that even though my heart and my flesh 
feel like they're failing God, but you are my strength. But God is my strength. Or I love the story of, of Noah. We know that, that story. If you've grown up the church, you probably learned it first as a child. There's the flood that happens, and Noah's on the ark with his family and all the animals. But the scriptures say, but God remembered Noah, and the water receded. But God remembered Noah. Even when it felt like there was chaos and there was the storms of life all around Noah, and would, it, would this ever end? God remembered him, but God remembered Noah. Or one of my favorite stories in the, in the Old Testament is about a guy named Joseph. And Joseph had been betrayed by his own family. He had a rough journey. And at the end of Joseph's story, he says, What you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. But God meant it for good. What, what you meant for evil, but God meant it for good, so that other people may live. But God, but God, even in the midst of the betrayal that Joseph had in his own life, God stepped into that moment. But God. And then when we get to the New Testament story of Jesus that we are going to look at this week as we enter in to Holy Week and journey to Easter Sunday next week, we remember the words in Romans where it says that God loves us so much. But God loves us so much that he gave his son, Jesus, to die for us. But that's not even the end of the story. In Acts it says, but God raised him from the dead. And that's the Easter miracle, right? Like, but God raised him from the dead. Even when everything seems like it should be over, that death is death and death is, death is final. But God, but God again steps into that moment when it was in, should have been complete despair and sorrow. And God raised Jesus from the dead. And so if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to, to go ahead and, and open it up to Luke chapter 19. And as you're opening it up, I want to get you up to speed on what's been going on. And so Jesus has been teaching and healing and traveling around with his 12 disciples. And he's told them over and over again that he's going to die. He's told them multiple times that, that he's going to die and his 12 disciples just simply do not get it. And so he, they're getting ready to go into Jerusalem. And this whole week is one of these but God moments where God continues to show up and surprise people. Even when everything seems like they want to expect one thing, God shows up and does something completely different. And so we're going to read here from, from Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. 
As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So just to sum up, Jesus and his crew of 12 disciples, they're, they're on the edge of Jerusalem. They're almost to Jerusalem. And he tells them to go get a donkey. To go get a donkey. And so just a little backstory on that. There was a prophet that lived several hundred years before Jesus, Zechariah. And Zechariah, he said that if you ever see a man that rides into Jerusalem, that rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, you will know that this man is different than any person that's come before him. And that's what we hear in this story, that there is this Jesus that's riding into into town on a donkey. And a crowd begins to form and cheer him on. And before we know it, we have a parade. There's people gathered and cheering on Jesus. And he was like so many other Jewish people that were traveling to Jerusalem this week. Because it was the Passover. And the city of Jerusalem, the population would swell to two, three, four times during the Passover. And most scholars even think that there was another parade happening on the other side of town. And this parade was of the Roman governor named Pilate. We know we hear about Pilate at the end of the Jesus story, on the last days of his life. And Pilate would have ridden into town because Pilate lived on the coast. He lived in a town called Caesarea. And he came from Caesarea to Jerusalem during Passover because they were celebrating this week. Passover is about remembering their own flight from Egypt that flight from oppression of another power in their life. The Jewish people were celebrating that at Passover. And so Pilate would have traveled to Jerusalem to be a reminder that anyone that that thought about rebelling this week as the population grew and they remembered how they overthrew the Egyptians at one point in their life, to remind them about who was really in control, to remind them about who really had power, And Pilate would have not just come by himself, but Pilate would have come with a legion of soldiers on foot, on horseback. There would have been a loud parade on the other side of town announcing Pilate's arrival. The Roman imperial power coming into town with soldiers stomping, the sound of leather cracking, the rattling of swords and weapons. It would have been a much different sight than the story we read about here with Jesus coming into town on a donkey. With 12 misfit disciples, kids waving palm branches, people putting their cloaks on the ground in front of him. If you want to talk about what political theater might have been, I think this is what political theater is. That Jesus was almost mocking what people thought of as power and control. Because the Jewish people wanted, they longed for a king. They longed for a savior to overthrow this Roman rule in their life. To liberate them. And for many of them, it it was 
the warrior soldier coming on a horse with that whole legion of soldiers with him. And Jesus comes with 12. 12 disciples that got things messed up every time, right? I, I have to think about and put this in the context of our, our boat parades that Tampa is so good at right now, right? It's like Pilate would have come on Brady's million-dollar boat, right? And Jesus, the true greatest of all time, the true goat, came in a rowboat with his 12 disciples, and they probably had one oar, and they were spinning in circles. Jesus defied the expectation of what people thought they longed for in their life. And there's two things I think we can learn from this story. Because if you're tuning in with us today, if you're getting up early on a Sunday morning or you're catching us later in the week, if you're listening to this, you want something different in your life. You want a change in your life. You want to experience something bigger than yourself. You want a deeper purpose, a deeper meaning. And these but God moments, when they break into our lives, open us up to experience that, to experience just that. And in this story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, Jesus invites us in to this other way of living, the kingdom of God. And I will not do justice in the next 30 seconds to what the kingdom of God is. It, it really does need its, probably its own sermon series to say what the kingdom of God is. But it's actually the, one of the things that Jesus talks about most in the Gospels is this idea of what the kingdom of God is. And so you have the kingdom of God that rides, in, rides into town lowly on a donkey. And you have the kingdom of power and control that you see with the Romans. Power and control. And I think so often in my own life, I want that power and control, right? We don't want to, to lay down our desires. We don't want to be like the people in the crowd that are laying down their cloaks. To lay down our five-year plans before Jesus. We can't do it. We, we just can't do it. We don't want to lay down the careers that we desire. We don't want to lay down before Jesus those relationships that we're holding on to. We don't want to lay down those parts of our life. We don't want to lay them down. But here's the thing. God, so often in our lives, I've found, doesn't give us what we want but gives us what we need. God's going to give us what we need. Why? God's not going to give us what we want, but God will give us what we need because he loves us so much. God may not give us what we want, but will give us what we need because he cares about us so much. Jesus' own words tell us that there are those times in our lives where we're just overwhelmed with worrying about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. And Jesus tells us, why are you worrying about those things? Your heavenly Father loves you and hears you and will provide. The second thing we have to let go of in these but God moments is control. We as human beings are control freaks, and I might be one of the worst control freaks in the world. I want to control everything, right? I want to control everything because I want to call the shots. I know what's best. If everyone would just do what I said, it would be great, right? And we do this even with our relationship with Jesus. We almost, it's almost like we think Jesus has told us, come and lead me. 
when Jesus, in fact, tells us, come and follow. And we have such a hard time doing that. We want to be in control. And our desire to be in control leads us down this path of, of just constantly. We're just constantly worrying about how we can control things. We're constantly worrying about what could happen. We're constantly worrying about what might happen. We're constantly worrying about what should happen. We're constantly worrying so much so that we, we lose sleep. We're constantly worrying that we're tossing and turning each night. And we're constantly living without the peace that Jesus offers us because we won't let go of our control. And here's the deal with control is Jesus actually even says it's, it's more than just a little bit of this middle ground nicety Christianity. Because I, I want it so much to be that. I want to give a, Jesus a little bit of control in my life, but I want to I hold on to this part of my life, right? Like, I don't want to, Jesus to have control over my finances or my job, but I'll give Jesus this part on Sunday morning for an hour. But Jesus says if you want to gain your life, you got to lose it. you got to give it up at all. And that's a hard word to hear sometimes. But I truly believe the truth in it. Because when I, when I hang on to that little part of my own life, I see myself inching closer to taking it all back from Jesus. And Jesus, do this for me as opposed to listening and hearing where Jesus has called me to follow him. We want this nicety Christianity that, that has this third middle way between giving up no control and giving up no desire and entering this kingdom of God where we've given it up. We've given up our entire life to something that matters, that gives us purpose. Because if you're struggling today and you want some joy in your life, if you just constantly live in this cycle of instant gratification and then guilt, or if maybe you feel like you have everything you've ever wanted and yet you still feel empty, there is a joy that never ends when we give up control to Jesus. Or maybe you're constantly fighting every day and you just need some peace. You're constantly fighting your relationships. You're fighting your work. You're fighting, you're fighting your purpose. And you just need some peace. There is a peace that passes all understanding. And not just when everything's going well, but in the midst of the storm, you can experience a peace. There's a peace that you can have when we give up control. Or maybe you're fighting an addiction right now. And that addiction is robbing your joy and your peace. And you need to be found to have some freedom from it today. Wherever you are on that journey, when we give up our control, there is a peace, there is a joy, there is a hope that we can find when we give up our lives to follow Jesus. So today in our story, this but God moment breaks onto the scene. And there's a crowd that forms to watch. There were still some people probably up on the hillside on that Mount of Olives that were watching it unfold, looking down on seeing Jesus and not sure what to make of it. So maybe you see yourself up on that hillside seeing that there's a Jesus 
and you're not sure what to make of it today. Or maybe you're part of that crowd that was gathering. You're on the front row of the parade and you see Jesus pass by on a donkey and you're not sure yet if you're ready to give up your desires, to give up control and follow Jesus. Or maybe you found yourself joining the parade already today. You're giving up your control. You're giving up your desires. You're saying yes to Jesus where are you today? Are you on the hillside? Are you on the roadside? Are you in the parade? Where are you today? And the one thing I ask for you to do is whether if you're on the hillside, you're on the roadside, or you're in the parade, to take one step, take one step to come down from the hillside, to come down a little closer to get a better look at Jesus. If you're, in, if you're on the side of the parade, watching it go by, Take a step out into the road. Give up a little more of that control. Give up a little more desire and enter into what that kingdom of God looks like in your life. Or if you're in the parade, how are you helping people along? Are you inviting others to get in the parade with you? Are you taking time to invite others to experience that joy, that peace, that purpose in their life that you've discovered by marching in the parade with Jesus. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, you know where we are today. You know where our hearts and our minds are. God, give us the courage, the boldness, the faith to step out, to take one step today, to move from just being an onlooker, a passerby, to really begin to know you. And God, if we have been following you and we've been watching you pass by in our life, give us some boldness. Give us some boldness right now to step out into the road, to begin to leave it all behind, to follow after you. If we are in the parade, God, if we are, are following after you, remind us that it's not about us, but it's about reaching the next person, about shining light in this world, igniting some real change, God. We thank you for your love and your grace. Amen.